Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and let me tell you the story of how I got that spider sense. <laughs> Can't wait. To listen to this show, find us on 4iradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we did have some word snappers words last week. <laughs> they were words that we meant to say in unison, but didn't succeed very well at doing so. Uh, they were happy 20th birthday, Lillian, from Lillian Grimes. I don't know if it was your birthday. I don't know if you're turning 20, uh, but happy 20th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny that it's like we can't say it in unison, and it's impossible to find any way to, you know, fix that in editing or oh, anything I certainly, like that. Just gotta... I certainly didn't. Uh, fix it in editing. <laughs> editing, I'll say that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, if you would like to submit word snappers words uh, for our word snappers game, which is basically just a way for you to make us say uh, silly things or give you birthday wishes, uh, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you I can... never thought about that. Yeah, but that's totally a thing you can it's do. It's a good idea, actually. <laughs> a little shout out in there. I like it. I like it. Uh, you can uh, you can become a part of that uh, at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers uh, any patron at any level can submit a short word or phrase uh and uh we have to say it we got to say it we got to work it in somehow yep 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 we are talking about the 90s animated series uh this the third season once again uh and that if you want to watch along with us is available on disney plus for purchase uh on other platforms it's all over the place and you can even uh, find a dvd set called ultimate villain showdown uh which includes i guess this episode and many others yeah it has i don't remember all episodes are on it but it at least has this episode and then the the follow-up since the two-parter makes sense so yeah this is kind of a fun fun little inclusion one of the few episodes of the series that were actually released on dvd in some way <laughs> yeah weird weird uh-huh. just let us own it just let's have it let's have the whole thing do a nice set people will buy people it people would buy the shit yeah. out of this set if they released it it's so stupid can you imagine if they did like uh a, a like uh i guess remastered but like just a a cleaned up you know blu-ray set of this yeah with like special yeah. features and stuff that'd be yeah, amazing yeah. i mean there's and there there were some special features on some of the those little like volume sets that have would have three or four episodes on it at a time like the ultimate villain showdown dvd like port those special features onto a new one i'm sure that anyone who worked on it would be willing uh, to contribute yeah. to a retrospective john semper talks about this show constantly i was gonna he say the people absolutely who made... yeah yeah, I was going to say, the people yeah. who made this show, are they talk about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, everybody who worked on it is very proud of it. Like, people would absolutely talk yeah. about it. So, yeah. 
it's yeah it's annoying like disney you have enough money to do it just fucking do it yeah. jesus christ let us pay and make more things. money <laughs> god it's so irritating yeah but no we gotta have do it so we can get more disney plus subscriptions. look we would do both okay we would do both yeah yeah <laughs> we're god. stupid we would do both okay <laughs> yeah i'm happy to double dip and triple dip and quadruple dip on things that i love yeah. like exactly you know. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that you can find it all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, the episode we're talking about today, this is Spider-Man, the animated series, season three, episode two. It is entitled The Sins of the Fathers, chapter two, Make a Wish. So we are on part two of the season long The Sins of the Fathers arc. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say already on the second episode, and I don't think that there's a sin of fathers in this particular episode. So hmm. <laughs> hmm. But maybe it's arguable. Maybe someone could argue it. I don't know. We'll <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's our mission today. Uh, yeah. The synopsis <laughs> per IMDb for this one oh, is boy. fun. <laughs> I didn't call out the specific person because I didn't realize that IMDb like sometimes says exactly who wrote them. But uh, I'm using it anyway. <laughs> cool. So here's our synopsis. Peter is beginning to give up. He's tired of Spider-Man being called a menace when he tries to help. But when he receives a letter from Spidey's number one fan, Tina. Nope. Nope. He decides to give Spider-Man one last swing. <laughs> I actually do kind of like that synopsis in certain ways outside of the mistakes. I mean, it, it is better than a lot of the ones that we've read. Like, it, it, yeah. it gives you um, it gives you what you're in for without telling you literally every detail, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's not bad. Kind of it's not bad. It's just funny because mm-hmm. it's got some mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, original air date for this episode is May 4th, 1996 story by John Semper. And the teleplay is credited to three writers, actually Ooh. Mark Hoffmeyer, Elliot S. Magin and Meg McLaughlin. Uh, we talked about Semper and Hoffmeyer a bit last week. Uh, and we've talked about Ma- McLaughlin before way back in our episode five on the alien costume. But just as a refresher for her, uh, she's written for Transformers, Captain Planet, The Incredible Hulk cartoon, uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, and Kim Possible. But not really anything since our previous coverage. So hasn't hasn't worked on anything recently from what I can tell. For uh, Majin, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right because he's actually a very uh, – I, I should have looked it up beforehand because he's actually a very notable person. Um it's his only credit on this show, uh, but it's because he's very prominent in like other areas, particularly as a DC comics writer during the bronze age. Um, most prominently on like uh, Superman, Green Arrow, and the Batman family comics, um, but also he wrote on a small handful of Marvel comics. Um, he did also write a couple of Superman novels. Oh. He wrote, yeah, he uh, wrote one episode of each Batman the animated series and X Men the animated series. Um, so he just kind of bopped around to like the biggest, mar- uh, biggest superhero shows that were happening yeah, no in deal. the early nineties. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, that's cool. Well, back to my older life, uh, which includes running, which includes running for Democratic House of Representatives two different times. Okay, All <laughs> right. I don't think he, I don't think he won either time, but still, I like to do like it is cool. It, I, I, I feel like it would have been highlighted differently uh, had he won. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but I remember, you know, the fact that you you take the initiative to uh, to to get involved oh, sure. in, in in your community is really cool. This is also a fun story about him, according to Wikipedia, which I thought was really cool. So apparently when he was in college, wrote a term paper that he received a B minus on. And he was like, I don't agree with that professor's assessment. I think that this term paper was better than a B minus, which 
isn't a bad grade, but no. for him, it was like it deserved to be an A. So he, I don't exactly know like the structure of the term paper. I guess it was a more narrative kind of term paper or more a philosophical kind of thing because he was able to actually remake this term paper, which was called What Can One Man Do? Uh, he turned it into a comic book script, uh, then sent that script to DC Comics again as a college student. They actually passed it around and were like, this is actually a good script. Ended up getting drawn by Neil Adams and published in a Green Lantern issue, also called What Can One Man Do? And uh, then he became a writer at DC after that. So, like, shoot your shot, everybody, I guess. But, like, (laughs) but that's, like, literally how they tell us it doesn't work. Like, you're, like, not supposed to just send them shit. So how did this work? I guess because it was the (laughs) 70s. I think it was just a different. I think it would literally. That is wild. That's bananas. (laughs) I think not as many people would be doing it at the time because it's harder to like know how all that works. Um, I mean, like, you know, if you if you we have the Internet now, we can research anything, know where to send stuff. But like to be able to find out how where to send things to be able to know how to format a comic book script is going to take an extensive amount of research at that time you know like it's already not you already have to be savvy enough to know where to look and know reputable places to look to know how to format a script like that you know without without training so to do it back in like the 70s i think is when it was like yeah that that is an immense amount of work so they were they couldn't have been getting that many solicitations like that you know um now people are sending them dumb shit all the time yeah and with that sort of like (laughs) ease of access to that type of information that would have or that now allows more people to be able to write in that format like it requires less research that also means it's easier to enforce using the proper channels so it does make sense like yeah Yeah. like if you could find out how to write a comic book strip you could find out how you're supposed to reach out to us fools quit tweeting at us (laughs) quit tweeting at me you're the next big thing (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you know you probably can't do it the way that he did but right. like still if you're like if you have a comic book script that you think is good still then inspiring. figure out where you figure out a way to get it published somehow you know yeah it's still inspiring yeah, yeah. <laughs> well unsurprisingly based on the end of the last episode uh we get madam webb here in a much more <laughs> uh relevant capacity uh, and this is really cool. Actually, all these credits for this episode are pretty interesting. Uh, Madam Webb in this series, and I'm assuming only this series, I don't know if she ever appears in anything else. Maybe Ultimate. I could see Ultimate doing something with her, but I'm not actually sure. Um, Madam mm. Webb here is voiced by Joan Lee, who was married to Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Not a coincidence on the last name. Um, and mm. also, I just thought this was interesting. It's not really that relevant, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, was married to a guy like for a few years before Stanley, but literally just, I guess, because it, sh- she got married to him during World War II, and then as a result of that, moved to the United States, and then they were like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> Like it was, that's I think so it was, cool, a, it, that, that's diminishing it. Like they were fully married, but like, I guess that was just like a, a, a thing that was way more common, uh, during, during the world wars. <laughs> well, I think so the idea that how like, she ended up here. If, if that's the reason she came to America, yeah. like she never would have met Stanley right. if it weren't for that first marriage, which is sort of an interesting butterfly effect kind of thing to think about. Yeah, totally. And, and, and actually, as long as we're talking butterfly effect stuff, cause I did read an article that came out about her right after she had died. Um, in addition to the fact that she was really only in the United States because she had married an American soldier uh, prior to Stan Lee, they also, as Stan Lee tells the story, apparently um, he was supposed to be set up by his friend with someone else and she answered the door. 
What? Like Joan Lee answered the door, I guess, when Stanley was trying to either meet or go on a date with someone else. Like one of, I don't know, one of her friends, roommates, someone who lived in the same building. I don't uh-huh. know. But yeah, like the the amount of coincidence and serendipity that seems to be involved in the two of them finding each other and then for them to be married for like decades afterward and hear the way they talk about each other uh, is actually quite beautiful. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Oh, it's so romantic. Yeah. It is It is like a very romantic story. Uh, and I, I was... I was quite uh, enamored by it, and I tend not to be super, super into that stuff. But they're very sweet. The, the, oh, the way so they cute. talk about each other is very sweet. Um, so sweet. Well, she did do a bit of other voice work, but not a ton of it. Largely just like Marvel things here and there, which is no surprise. Um, she did a bit of voice work on the Fantastic Four series from the 90s. She was Miss Forbes in that series. She also voiced uh, a computer I don't know if it was Iron Man's computer. I don't think it was the suit, but like maybe one of his computer consoles Mm -hmm. um, in a few episodes of the 90s Iron Man series. And in addition to her work connected to Marvel, she was a hat model and also published a book titled The Pleasure Palace. Ooh. Ooh. uh, And apparently wrote three other unpublished novels, according to her daughter. Wow. Yeah. She's so cool. I know, right? (laughs) She is cool. And she's so good, too. She's so oh my good God. in this role. If you had told me that, like, I know this, is, this isn't this is a great metric because it's just sort of discounting people based on, uh, like, something that's really not fair. But, like, if you had told me, like, oh, yeah, Madam Webb is voiced by Stanley's wife, I would have been like, really? Like, was she a voice actress or something? Like, f- like largely she is. I mean, she is officially, but, like, largely she's not. It's, like, not what she did, you know? But she's yeah. incredible in this role. She Madam really Webb, is. like... To me, growing up in the 90s and watching this as my first major, like, Spider-Man thing, you couldn't have told me Madam Web wasn't one of the singular most important Spider-Man characters in all of Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and she, and largely that's due to her performance. It's so memorable. It really is. I mean, yeah, it's, it. yeah, that was one of those things growing up that surprised me that she wasn't that big of a character in Spider-Man comics and that she's not, she's very, she's very unlike how this character is in this show, um, which is just so wild because the role that she plays in this show is so distinct and just feels ultimately like feels so right for it um, in a way that I feel like was hard, had to be hard to pull off because Mm -hmm. it's not a show. It's a show that spent two seasons being very comic booky in a very particular sphere, right? Like very science fiction heavy, yeah. very like ge- neogenics and genetic engineering and super suits and technology, you know? Um, and then suddenly to just throw in this mysticism of this like godlike character, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> that is like guiding Spider-Man. That's also sort of like this weird sort of vague mentor figure, but like is, is really like ominous. It's just really, um, it's such a weird thing to add to the show, but it fits. Like they pull I mean, we're watching this for the podcast. This is the first episode with Madam Webb, of course. But from my knowledge and at least the impact that I think it made on us as kids remembering it, I don't we'll see how it holds up as we watch the show, of course. But totally. in in our memory, like it obviously pulled it off because it felt it felt right. Like it felt part of Spider-Man's world in a way that makes it shocking that she's not a regular character, you know, in the comics. Absolutely. Uh, Madam Web, like I, I've said before, like my memory is pretty trash, but I remember like big things, obviously. Like I couldn't tell you when people show up or uh, or things like that. But like Madam Web, though, like I the very distinct memories of her, you know, yeah. like it's just it's incredibly memorable. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> part of that, you know, part so of that is, is seared into my brain. 
part of that is sort of like the creepiness and the role she plays in, yeah. the, in the aesthetic of her and the design of her, which is really cool. But I think a big part of it is is the vocal performance Absolutely. is really good and and also very distinct. Yeah. I have a quote from John Semper mm-hmm. about it that I wanted to include that's really good. Um, and it's something that he posted after Joan Lee died a few years ago. Um, he said, uh, I decided to build up to the series finale uh, by having an ominous, all, almost supernatural creature warn Spidey of what was to come and guide him so that he'd be prepared. So one reason that she's such a big deal is because she's like setting up the entire rest of the show, essentially. Mm-hmm. He says, I chose as his mentor, Madam Web. She was a relatively obscure character who had appeared in the comic books only briefly. My then boss, Avi Arad, wasn't too excited about bring, bringing her to life on the TV Shocking. screen. Shocking. He says, and I quote, I can't make a toy out of an old broad. Bullshit. Yeah, fuck I you, would, man. I would actually, like, punch somebody in the store to get my hands on a, like, Marvel Legends Madam Web. Especially with the, in this design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the comics Madam Web has a cool design, too. Sure. But I but really love this design of her. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you know, even even Avi Arad, even though Avi Arad said that, uh, Semper says, but I stuck to my plan. There was only one person I wanted to provide the voice for Madam Web, Joan Lee, the wife of Stan Lee. I had known Joan and Stan for many years prior to this, and as I wrote the Madam Web character, it was Joan's voice in my head that I was hearing. I knew she could capture perfectly the husky, haughty, almost arrogant attitude I wanted for Madam Web. And of course, she had that wonderful British accent. Joan graciously consented to perform the role, and she was, as I expected, perfect. That's amazing. To have a specific person in mind writing a character and have them say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Like, and then wow. be good at it. And then, like, not, you know, like, you're right in the end, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you picture their voice. And it, and, and, and the thing is, someone could have a perfect voice for a character and just not be a performer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that the stars align in the way that not only was she perfect for this version of the character, it was what he heard, heard in his head, but also she's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it yeah. all works perfectly. It's so good. I, yeah, I don't have it. enough good things to say about Madam Web in this show. It's so she's so yeah. fun. Yeah, we never will. We'll never say enough, but we'll keep saying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a character we've seen before, but is notable mentioning here is Anastasia Hardy uh, and notable mention in because she is not voiced by Rue McClanahan anymore. Uh, uh, she is voiced by Demetra Arliss um, and Demetra Arliss has a pretty modest list of credits, but a fun thing about her credits is that she also uh, voiced a computer in the 90s Iron Man series. That's so funny. <laughs> Why did Tony Stark have so many computers with the voice of women in them? Like, I don't know. <laughs> because he's Tony Stark. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this I think, and I think that Demetra Arliss is the second of maybe three people who voice Anastasia Hardy. So uh, yeah. we'll bring her up again eventually. Yeah, it's fine. She has like three lines in this episode, yeah. so it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't spend that much time looking up what she had done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once, I mean, if you're following Rue McClanahan, I'm sorry. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very hard act to follow. Yeah, for sure. exactly. And then very notable uh, big feature of this episode and the next is a character named Taina. Not Tina, Taina. Uh, voiced <laughs> by Stephanie Eustace. And this and the next episode are only acting credits. She has no other acting credits. And I found that on a Spider-Man The Animated Series podcast, uh, which is hosted by, oh, I should have written it down, but a comics writer and his brother, one of their guests recalled a Howard Johnson Hotel sweepstakes 
where a kid could win a role on the Spider-Man cartoon. And the guests speculated, not knowing for certain, but the guests speculated that Eustace was maybe the winner of that contest since it happened in the months leading up to this season's release, which would explain why she's like this sort of kind of random kid character um, voiced by someone who never shows up in anything else ever again. And somebody did find the ad for that contest. So, um, which does kind of like at least line things up for when that contest happened. But that's really interesting. That's, that fascinates me though, because like, she doesn't sound like she's a kid that's not a voice actor. You know what I that mean? That would like, be the thing that throws a wrench in it for me because she does a good job. Yeah. Like, she doesn't sound like a random kid. Yeah. Honestly, what, going into it, I just expected it to be an adult putting on a kid voice. I didn't even think it was a kid the whole time, which I think is a testament <laughs> to the kid's ability because, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's so interesting. And I, I don't mean, know if that's exactly the truth. They didn't know that was exactly the truth either. But because that she has no other credits, there's not that much to talk about other than, like, where did she come from, you know? Yeah, it just feels like too big of a role for them to risk a sweepstakes. But at the same time, the I mean, clues also fit, you know? I mean, the clues fit, but here's the thing. If they – I mean, if it's hard to find the winner of the sweepstakes – Maybe nobody won, you know? Oh, that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Right. That, that's definitely a thing. Right. Yeah. So that's also yeah. possible. I'm or, sure. or, or someone won and, and those sweepstakes. Bad. Well, no, no, no. I think often, <laughs> often, um, I think almost all the time there's usually like a thing that you can win and then they also offer a cash alternative. Mm. And it's enti- – because I know that's happened with like um, – there's a famous one with the Simpsons who shot Mr. Burns sweepstakes that they did that a ton of people entered and only one person – like it was the thing where you had to guess who shot Mr. Burns uh-huh. and only one person got it right. Um, and really? you could either win – yeah, but and they never publicized it because I don't think they wanted – they wanted to have it publicized. Like, I, I think it was a, it was a weird thing, like where it was just some random like lady and she wasn't really a fan. And she was just like, I don't know the baby. And then they, she happened to be right or something. Um, <laughs> but it was like, you could win like the Simpsons house. Like there was like a, ver- like they made a house that like looked like the Simpsons house, oh. I believe is what you could win. And she was like, no, what the fucking like $10,000 yeah. or whatever. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I might be mixing it up, but it is a thing where like, a famous sweepstakes, they took the cash prize instead of what the actual prize was. Yeah. And, like, that could be the thing that happened in this yeah. case, too. Yeah. Um, or Stephanie Eustace is just really fucking good. Could <laughs> be. Despite being a kid actor that's never could acted be. before. Really makes you wonder how many people could, you know, how many how many kids out there are really good <laughs> and could yeah. have gone on to do voice acting. I don't know. <laughs> Stephanie Eustace, I guess this wasn't your dream. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. But uh, other than that, uh, I guess we could just dive right into this one, eh? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. So this episode opens with Doctor Octopus. Doctor Octopus's shadow, and believe you me, I was thrilled 
when I realized this was a Doc Ock episode. So, opens with Dr. Octopus looking on as Anastasia Hardy introduces a scientist named Dr. Michael Pingree, who shows off his Argon Matrix laser, which is a laser that you can program to affect only specific forms of matter. And he demonstrates this by shooting a la- or shooting this laser through a pumpkin and into a metal plate. And when all is said and done, the pumpkin remains completely undamaged, and the metal is engraved with an H for Hardy. Um, <laughs> so basically he says, like, see, I can make it so that it doesn't hurt organic matter at all, um, and it'll only hurt inorganic things, which... It's actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah, so Pingree explains that the laser's ability to uh, revolutionize cancer treatment with uh, with pinpoint accuracy uh, because of this ability to like only affect you know uh, certain types of matter at a time. So I think the example is like you could eliminate tumors, even though tumors are also organic matter. But I guess maybe you could set it to varying degrees of organic matter. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um, I, either way, I, I get what they're going for, and it's cool. Uh, so. Regardless, he explains that, but as he's explaining that, Dr. Octopus attacks the demonstration, and the reason he does is because he's upset that Pingree is receiving all the credit for the work they did together as a team, Um, which, granted, is a little shitty for Pingree to do, but on the other hand, Doc Ock is like a criminal menace to society, so like, I get, you know, wanting to bury that he was involved in this project. Yeah, (laughs) I would say so. It is a very Doc Ock thing to just be like, my ego, you know? I um, love how many Spider-Man villains are just like, excuse me, I was there too. <laughs> this was yeah. my project, thank you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so according to Ock, in fact, which I think Ock is like over Agreed. overstating it here. He's like, Pingree was just an assistant. Um, it's like, no, you guys definitely work together as a yeah. team. Now, now, you're just being, now you're just being dramatic. Mm-hmm. I agree. But either way, it doesn't matter. Um, in addition to that, he's also like, oh, also, also, Anastasia Hardy, who's, like, funding this whole endeavor, uh, you owe me a debt that I've come to collect. Um, which is a cool, like, bit of continuity to way back to, what, the fourth episode in his first appearance? Because the whole bit was – I don't even remember what the plot of that was, but the whole bit was him getting involved with, with Anastasia Hardy and mm-hmm. kidnapping Felicia, and there was supposed to be some money exchange or whatever. So it's it's cool that they reference the connection that those two characters have, Yeah. Um, even though they didn't have to because it doesn't even matter. So it's a cool bit of continuity. Yeah. Um, I like that too because, like, Anastasia Hardy, as she is, is, like, for this show. Like, Felicia has parents in the comics, but, like, I believe that the way Anastasia Hardy is portrayed was, like, created for this, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. cool that, like, they've intertwined her with Doc Ock. Yeah, it is very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so in the debt that he's going to come to collect is going to be in the form of that laser. So he's going to come, steal the laser, and probably skedaddle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Before we move on, I have an unrelated thing. Because I, I hate that I was wrong about this earlier. <laughs> Okay. The Simpsons contest was not for the house. I think there was a contest or something <laughs> where you could win a Simpsons house. It was to be animated into the show. Okay. Um, that is a makes, bit more of a one-to-one comparison. <laughs> yeah. That's a much more one-to-one. That's, yeah. So it was to be animated in the show. And because the person wasn't a fan of the show, she was like, I don't give a fuck about being animated into the show. I don't watch. Give me the money. Yeah. Um, so that could have happened in the Spider-Man contest too. Yeah. But makes sense. Anyway. Sorry. I, somebody out there was listening and screaming at me for getting that wrong. They've already like screamed famous, at you. That's a famous content contest, so I hate that I got that wrong. Anyway, moving on. Back to Spider-Man. Well, 
Well, Doc Ock is uh, trying to steal this laser, and obviously everyone's like, oh, fuck, this is not where I want to be. So everybody in the audience pretty much flees, uh, except J. Jonah Jameson does stop for just a moment because uh, he was there. He was he was sat next to Anastasia. Um, I don't really remember what their relationship is, uh, but they were hanging out. I mean, it makes sense. They're both yeah. they're both famous people. Um, yeah. J. Jonah Jameson instructs Peter to stay behind and get pictures. Cool. Cool, JJ. Real cool. cool. <laughs> but this gives Peter an opportunity to change into Spider-Man and an excuse uh, to stick around, uh, which is great because normally uh, he doesn't have one of those built in. And so he does that and he confronts Doc Ock before he can make a uh, cleanish getaway. Cool. <laughs> there is a very, very funny moment as oh. this crowd just like running away thing happens. Yeah. Uh, where they cut to outside where everybody's running out of the building and the police show up and there's one person who just straight up like like bowls a police officer o- like over <laughs> off screen and they like they they give it like sound effects and everything it's amazing i watched it so many times it's so funny the one person was just like fuck you get out of the way police officer oh i need to go back and watch that it's so funny that's now like a trend because we had a recent episode of the spider-man 67 show (laughs) yeah where spider-man turns himself into a web ball not even a web ball just a ball in web it's it's a whole thing yeah that in itself is hilarious but then he just like uses his ball self (laughs) to bowl over a bunch of cops and they even add a bowling sound like bowling pin sound effect so spider-man just fucking loves turning cops into bowling pins i love it it's that the sound effects is what made me stop to figure out what was going on it's like what what are they referencing what is making this noise uh yeah and it's just it's a random audience member uh fucking up a police officer love it love to see it so funny love to see it (laughs) anyway that's all i had about that scene (laughs) it just cracked me up it's great. Um, speaking of bowling pins, another type of pin is Dr. <laughs> Octopus pinning Spider-Man against the wall. Smooth. Smooth. Real smooth. What I love about this, though, is so they make a whole dra- dramatic like Bond movie kind of thing where he's pinned to the wall yes! um, with Dr. Ock's tentacles. They have this laser yes. approaching him. And it's like, oh, no, the laser's going to cut my arm off. Um, but what's what's like kind of funny, but like also clever, but also hilarious is that just a few seconds ago, we had a whole sequence saying very explicitly that the laser only like only hits inorganic matter and organic matter is fine. But they have an entire act break with like the laser is going to kill Spider-Man comes back in commercial and he's like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. It only hits uh, inorganic material. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I thought this was great. I thought this was it's amazing because cool. there's like so much going on. It's so chaotic. Um, and the laser can hurt organic matter. It's yeah. just that it most recently was programmed not to. <laughs> yeah, I think like the tension <laughs> Which is, is so did, good. <laughs> did Doc Ock know that? Because he didn't arrive until after the presentation, right? So did he know that? Obviously, he doesn't. But but it's like, does he know that? Is he did he reset it to hit organic matter or inorganic matter? Yeah, did he set it to hit inorganic yeah. matter? You know, obviously he didn't. He didn't know that was the case. So it's great yeah, too it's because fun. then you see this laser hit Spider-Man and you're like, oh my god, it's hitting it. Like I, I, I forgot. Like I was caught up in it and I was like, oh no, like because because it's also equally as possible that they wouldn't address that and that yeah. it would be causing damage that it wasn't programmed to not. Yeah. cause damage too so when it hits his suit i'm like oh no and then when it yeah. just cuts the suit and nothing happens to him I was like that's actually pretty clever good job yeah. guys 
It is f- funny though that it then the then it makes Doc Ock look a little bit dumb for not knowing his own laser enough to know that it was set on that setting. <laughs> well, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean yeah, that in like, yeah. a bad writing way. I mean that in a way that's like funny because it makes Ock like look bad, and I feel like makes this defeat even more embarrassing than it would be otherwise yeah well i I mean he is definitely like embarrassed about like he he's he's made a fool of throughout this whole interaction like even if this didn't specifically happen necessarily um, which i think is important because that kind of sets off you know the the end of this episode and then the next episode so absolutely but yeah i love the laser thing i think it was so so smart and it and it and he uses it to his advantage because once it cuts his suit, but not his flesh, he realizes why that's happening and is like, oh, wait, I'm organic matter, but Doc Ock's tentacles are not. So he then uses his webbing to sort of pull the laser and redirect it at Ock's tentacles, slices off the Ugh. ends of two of Doc Ock's arms, like his metal arms, Ock which feels also. That too. Yeah, like, because what, in this universe. In yeah, in this universe, he's telepathically linked to them. So, like. He he he's in pain. He reacts to that. Spider-Man chopped off two of this guy's limbs, even if they are inorganic. Uh, and I was like really surprised that that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's like wild. really caught off guard. I felt it. Like I felt it. It felt painful. Yeah, it. yeah. Oh, so I mean, like naturally, Doc Ock is like, okay, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, but my God, that uh, really, really uh, enjoyable but intense stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in order to make his way through the panicking crowd, Doc Ock, you know, of course, like he does, pushes and tosses crowd members about, uh, which includes Mary Jane. Apparently she was there this whole time. I don't know why Mary Jane, the theater student, is is attending a uh, a science expo for new technology, for like medical equipment. This is like (laughs) weird. A worse utilization of what they did last week. Where it was like, you can explain all of Spider-Man's motivations because Mary Jane is involved. Mary Jane has no reason to be involved in anything that's going on in this episode. But she does appear in one scene, and it's this one. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason for it. It doesn't come up again. Like I, It's purely it there really, to I, make Spider-Man mad. It is. But I don't know. You didn't even need it for that. Nope. I would have still believed that he would have just been like aggressively pursuing Doc Ock. Yeah, you could have done anything. Else. I mean, Ock. Also, like... Why not just have like Felicia there or someone who it would make sense to be there? Or even if he, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't really need that much of a reason. He could just get mad. Yeah, it's weird. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's a little silly. <laughs> I, I think um, my, I'm going to see if this uh, checks out, but I feel like given what happens at the end of the season, I wonder if they were intentionally trying to make sure Mary Jane was just in every episode of this season Could just be. to make sure her presence was always there throughout it. Um, just because of her importance to the, like the story arc of the season. So I did have that, that thought too. Like as, as I was watching it, I was like, Oh, Mary Jane's here. Cause of, I mean, of course they're going to want her here, uh, but then she doesn't really matter. And that's when I sort of was like, Oh yeah. Oh, okay. it, like, Cause it feels like a really <laughs> super obligatory appearance. Um, and that's why I'm sort of like, I, maybe they just were, for some reason decided like I, this season we just need to have her in every episode. I'm going to see if that pans out because it might, because otherwise there's no reason for her to be here. Why didn't they just have her be his? Oh, cause they're not dating. That's right. I was going to say, why didn't yeah. they just have her be his date? But uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm so either glad way. they're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either way. 
Yeah. So, but yeah, so Mary Jane being there, getting caught in danger, Spidey's pissed off, like we said. So that drives him to aggressively pursue Doc Ock instead of just letting him retreat. They clash again on the top of a building, and then Spider-Man throws Dr. Octopus, like, literally through the roof, which reveals the building to be a medical lab. Um, Anastasia is like, oh, my God. Uh, She's with JJ, you know, who always has his hate on for Spider-Man, and they have a hate on for him collectively because they're like, oh, my God, he's going to create additional damage to this medical lab, destroying all this medical equipment. And he could have just let Doc Ock escape. He didn't have to chase after him. And now he's just making everything worse. I love this. Yeah, it's really good. I love this. I love Anastasia's reaction to all of this. I love when, like, I think this is a great way to depict the public um, having sour feelings towards Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't make as much sense when people just don't like him. But this is, like, a great way to do it, you know? Yeah, Where it's like, dude, right. just let him go. Let him go. Right. He's yeah, fucked up. You'll find him again. He'll do something dumb again. Like, let him leave. <laughs> and they are right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Jameson says explicitly that he's like, oh, he doesn't think about how his actions have consequences. And, like, that's exactly what's happening. Spidey is 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 honed, honed in and focused on defeating Doc Ock. Like, to hell with everything else, which means that, like, they blow up the medical lab in the middle of their fight. Like, so fuck? Yeah. 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 I like this a lot because there's, I, I do mean, too. Uh, there are plenty of, plenty of circumstances in any given superhero property where like two, two parties fight and stuff gets broken and blown up and destroyed. And like, they never even really address it. Um, mm. This is great. Well, <laughs> this it's is amazing. Not, it's also not the other side of it where it's just like general damage to the city or whatever yeah like it's very explicitly a medical lab yeah that we've just seen an expo showing how good the medical lab is doing at their jobs and mm-hmm. the incredible technology they're developing that again is explicitly told to us is going to like back them up for years like yeah. it's going to create like years long delay to advance this technology that could be saving lives like literally right now mm-hmm. um and that's a really really smart way to handle that and to write that yeah. and to convey that i just think of all the times like even in something like spectacular spider-man where like shit just gets wrecked and like yeah it's not a medical facility but like remember when they fucking destroyed a museum yeah <laughs> They just started a museum like, like more than you once. You should have probably show. just let Rhino leave. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I so I, I just love that. And I get why they don't always address it. That would get exhausting. But I just love the way that they utilize it here. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, because it ends up being a really good driving force for Peter Parker's yeah. arc in this episode. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That ex- that explosion I didn't mention did toss them both into the nearby bay as well. Yeah. So even though even though bad things have happened, Spidey at least doesn't have to be uh, right in the midst of all the people that currently hate him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he is still (laughs) met immediately by the police when he like gets out of the water. Uh, Like they must've tracked his whereabouts real. Somebody followed him, his trajectory through the sky uh, into the water uh, because they're like, Hey, you, you're under arrest. Spider-Man obviously flees. Um, and because of this, Doc Ock is able to also escape. So all that work, all that work, the explosions, everything, uh, and Doc Ock still escapes Spider-Man. Great job. Uh, he does this by commandeering a boat. <laughs> he just, like, grabs a boat that people are on, throws them off the boat, and uh, boats off. <laughs> it's great. Love it. Um, Love it. Spider-Man also does return to the lab. Like, 
right like you said he doesn't have to be where all those people are but he goes back <laughs> and watches on as firefighters now address what is a raging fire at the medical lab and sort of recognizes and acknowledges to himself what his role in was causing that damage yeah yikes it's, uh, it's good it's good st- i mean it's bad but it's good stuff yeah good stuff very good stuff so at the bugle jameson rants about how the public wolf well it isn't, rant isn't the great word but he is always ranting and this rant includes um a celebratory bit where he says the public will finally recognize spider-man's menacing behavior and of course robbie pushes back on this uh peter overhears this conversation and he overhears jameson vowing to use all of his resources and connections to take down spider-man and so on top of everything uh peter's feeling peter like kind of plays into it and beats himself up uh for meaning well and always messing things up uh, and as a result of this claims that he is done being Spider-Man. So we get some Spider-Man no more vibes. It's I wish that they haven't hadn't had him like quit Spider-Man quit being Spider-Man like two different times in this show already cuz this is the best Yes. This is the better for him quitting Spider-Man that this show has had. Yeah, this is the better of the two for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This um, is great. It's good. I mean, because I get it. It makes sense. And and I like that it doesn't have to be like him missing a date or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like a thing that is very tangible consequences that he can't even deny. Like he very di- directly made a choice that made sense as Spider-Man that ended up still being the wrong choice, even though he thought he was doing good. ultimately. Well, and it has way more to do with the with great power comes great responsibility thing, because he's able to do the things that he's doing with like against Dr. Octopus because of the power he has. But he's yeah. not being especially responsible about it. And it's like, I'm trying and I'm still fucking that part up. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it, it still is his responsibility to stop Doc Ock. Right. But it's also his responsibility to, like, do it in a way that doesn't cause harm <laughs> otherwise. And that's a yep. hard, you know, that might be a hard line to tread yeah. when you're in the midst of fighting a supervillain, right? right? So it's just like, this is too fucking complicated. I can't deal with it anymore. Yeah. I'm not, I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. Totally. Um. Yeah. There is a weird bit. I actually think a lot of the animation in this episode, it's it's like a little bit hit or miss, but when it's good, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Ock fight sequence is really good. There's a lot of great shadows. There is one weird shot in this sequence where Peter is taught, like you hear his internal monologue about how mad at himself that he is and at his circumstances and the whole situation. And then he hears Jonah talking. And there's this weird shot where, like, it, sh- it there's a shot of him, like, smiling with his teeth, shifting to frowning, as, oh. <laughs> like, as Jonah's talking. And I think it's meant to be, like, his his demeanor just gets worse from yeah. already bad, but they started it at, like, an 11 <laughs> with him being, like, super happy for some reason. Yeah. I think this yeah. is also the scene where somebody does some, like, very not- noticeably animated, uh, like, hand movements. Uh, where oh, they Peter, do like some really significant like in between frames that are way more noticeable than they should be. Yeah, there's a <laughs> handful of those things in in this episode. I think and some some of them are good and some of them are distracting. Um, but I do think that like there are like I I really like the bit where the way that the shot is like um is, is sort of blocked and framed is like you see. Uh, Robbie and JJ talking and they're talking about Spider-Man in a way that makes Peter angry. And Peter's Mm -hmm. just out of frame. You only see like kind of the bottom half of his body. And it's mostly like his, his uh, hand holding a piece of paper is centered in the frame. And he crushes it like Arthur crushing, like closing his fist. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And it's like timed really well. And it's just a really like kind of artfully done framing of that sequence. Like they don't cut to Peter's close up of Peter's face 
scowling or something like it's a really nice way to convey peter reacting to uh to robbie and and jonah while also you know basically being a a precursor to the arthur meme (laughs) yeah yeah that's so funny i didn't even i mean it is really good i'm I'm like laughing while you're describing a really well put together scene uh but it is because like i didn't think of that arthur meme until this moment it's so so funny but it is yeah it is really well done all all of the geography of this bugle scene is really good and there's a lot yeah. of geography in this bugle scene that I feel like we haven't seen before. Yeah, we never see. I mean, we've seen, we have seen him go through. Oh God, what do you call it? What do you call that area where it's like all the reporters in in the uh, kind of open space office? There's a name for it. Oh. What the bull? Is it the that what they call the bullpen? I'm not sure. I have no um, idea. <laughs> I, I, I think that I'm not. Sh- I, I could be wrong. But either way, we've seen we've seen him like kind of go through that area. But we've seen like the opposite side of it where it's like Jonah's office. I think mm-hmm. we haven't seen like this entrance that he's at where he's by like a lot of potted plants and stuff. Yeah, um, it's just like different angles on the same backgrounds and sets that they've done before. Yeah. But that's already cool because, like, they don't need to do that, and it's cool that they did. Totally. Yeah, I like it. Actually, I think they, I think they probably mostly did it so he could be near filing cab- cabinets. For, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's what stands out to me is those filing cabinets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as Peter begins to storm out of the bugle, the filing cabinets become more relevant because he is stopped by Robbie, who has a letter for Peter to deliver to Spider-Man, uh, which I think is really cool i I like that that is something that is acknowledged in a way other than just jonah being mad about peter being connected to spider-man so peter opens this letter he finds that it's from a parent hoping that the bugle can connect her with spider-man and that spider-man will visit her daughter who she says is a huge fan of spider-man peter writes the request off and actually the line delivery of this is all really really great because he like reads the letter and then becomes increasingly annoyed and sort of like yada yada is the end of the letter and then just like dumps it off into a nearby filing cabinet. It's just like, fuck this letter. Fuck this kid. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one criticism I have, um, that's like, it's such a nitpick, mm-hmm. but like, I think they do a nice job of making the letter look like handwriting and stuff. And like, it's a really pretty letter, mm-hmm. but like, I wish that they had just, I would have rather them do like vague writing towards the bottom because it makes it seem like the, cause the way he's reading it, it seems like there's going to be more to the letter than what yes. we see. We see the letter deliberately, yeah. but like, there's no like they don't name the kid in the letter they don't say where she is yeah like there's no information on there that peter seems to know by the time that we see him find her later and like the address might be on the envelope but guess what spoiler when he gets the letter back later on in the episode he gets the letter not the yeah. envelope with it so how does he know the address like yeah. it's a nit it's a nitpick but it's like they seem they clearly like did good work on designing the letter to make it look like a nice letter like a yeah. nice looking letter aesthetically but then it like doesn't actually work with what the information the episode's conveying. So. Yeah, that and just like he gets tired of the letter, but reads the entire thing anyway. So yeah, would, I think it would have been visually more like it would have yeah. told more of a story if there was just more there that he is too tired to read. Right. Yeah. As it stands, he read two sentences, and that was the whole letter. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I glossed over this too, but like Robbie asks if Peter will be seeing Spider Man anytime soon. And this is like one of those moments. I love when these happen, but I also think they're so silly, but not bad, but just like silly moments where people should really be suspicious of Peter Parker because Robbie asks if he's going to see Spider-Man anytime soon. (laughs) And Peter's like, I don't think anyone's going to be seeing him anytime soon. He shouldn't even show his face. (laughs) 
And it's like, I, there's context for him to say that because Spider-Man just fucked shit up like hard. Yeah. Um, but the fact that one, Peter Parker of all people is like turning on Spider-Man and two, speaks so confidently that Spider-Man just will not be seen. <laughs> it's like, Robbie, you're literally a reporter. Like, yeah. like, my my headcanon <laughs> is that literally every version of Robbie Robertson that has ever existed either already knows or suspects that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I love Because it's the only that. way that it yeah. makes sense. I can see JJ, like, being, having his, like, weird Spider-Man yeah. blinders on. I can see Betty just, like, being too in love with Peter at some point or whatever. I don't know. No, um, I but like, like... I like a world populated by a person every now and then who probably knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man and knows better than to say anything about it. Yeah. I think that's or a better, like, more believable world to live in. Or is even, like suspects it and is just sort of in denial about it because like what would they do with that information yeah you know um have you seen i think i think you liked it but like there's a meme that i retweeted uh, recently that was like an image of like Whoopi goldberg like sitting in a window like in in like what, what, <laughs> your apartment looking out yep. just sort of like like, t- like tired it was just like me watching peter parker change into spider-man for the sixth time behind my apartment in the alley yeah Yep. It's like yep. people have to see him change into Spider-Man frequently. Like that <laughs> that has yeah. to be a thing that happens. I mean, okay, <laughs> let's be fully realistic. There are absolutely people who see Peter Parker change into Spider-Man but have no idea who he is. So what yeah. would you even do? Yeah. Be like, "Hey, like, I oh. saw some white kid changing into Spider-Man." Okay, great. <laughs> How many fucking white kids live on Manhattan? Like, right. 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 <laughs> or live in New York City. He doesn't necessarily. But whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's it is fun when you think about it like that. <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons: Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike. Lillian, and Douglas. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Uh, So, okay, where are we at here? Peter's walking home. He's walking home from the Bugle. He's celebrating all of life's possibilities without Spider-Man, of course. Which, again, like you said, unfortunately, we've kind of seen this already. I wish we hadn't because I think some of this stuff would feel a little bit letter- like better and less melodramatic because it hasn't already happened. But um, yeah. just in the context of this episode, it all makes a lot of sense. So yeah. um, he's sort of like happy that he- thinking about all the things he could do without having to worry about Spider-Man. But his thoughts are interrupted by a voice asking, well, whoever said that life was supposed to be perfect? Because he's like, everything's going to be perfect now. He follows the voice to an alley where he finds a flyer for a tarot reading from someone named Madam Webb. And 
<laughs> turns around to see Madam Webb's own face appearing, <laughs> emerging, I should say, from the side of a nearby building to talk to him directly. So shit gets weird fast. <laughs> I love it. I love this whole alley sequence. Yes. I think it looks really cool. Yep. The angles and the shadows are really cool. The way that there's like constantly wind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, sh- the like shadows that sort of transform and like disappear. Like mm-hmm. there's like the shadow of a spider web with a spider on it. And I, the way that I, I feel like this would translate to film is that spi- like Peter kind of notices it out of the corner of his eye. But when he sort of like turns to really get a look at it, it sort of like transforms and disappears into whatever the next thing is. Yeah. Um, I like it. I would love to see something like this done. Not not that I necessarily need a movie that incorporates Madam Web in any particular way, but I do think just seeing something like this in live action could be really cool. Or even just on, with a, a really high budget animation. Yeah, it's cool. It all looks good. And it's like trippy in a way that isn't annoying. Like yeah. it's, it's trippy in a way that really works and it's clearly just to like throw Peter off his balance. Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere. Like it's trippy, but the atmosphere is like dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or and I think bleak, it's paced, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's paced really well, too, you know, which the show often has problems with. Um, and, you know, it's it's all kind of lead up to Madam Web just calling Peter Spider-Man. And oh he's boy. like, uh, uh, I'm not Spider-Man. She's like, shut up. I know. I know you're Spider-Man. You're a bad liar. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's so good. But then she goes farther because she's like, again, this is like a godly. She isn't just like a psychic. She's like a godly reality bending, like supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. Supernatural creature, I think, is the way that John Semper described her. Because yeah. um, she's like, oh, yeah, uh, I know about all the people you've hurt, like uh, Felicia Hardy and Mary Jane and Uncle Ben or whatever. Like she's throwing out every every like every name <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. bothers Peter right now. Then she like magically suits him up into his costume. Um, I wonder where his like clothes and wallet went. Like, I hope they're not just like vanished from existence because that would suck. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. All magic once again. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, so now he's in his costume and he's like, okay, now this shit's getting really weird. Um, and then she transports him to her location, which is some, I don't know, extra dimensional, like her bubble dimension or something like that. It's just this vague nothing dimension that's surrounded by like red and black smoke. Yeah. It looks really cool. She looks cool as fuck in her yeah. like web chair. Love it. Love her like her her weird dress that like almost turns into like, yeah. like snake tail kind of thing. Yes. Like, so cool. That's my favorite thing about this design in particular and the way that they actually color and animate her is that weird sort of like dress tail thing that's like way longer than it should be way like better um like better defined than it should be like it's just so unsettling and weird Mm -hmm. i love it i love it i love that she's sort of colored like the way that they color venom and carnage you Mm -hmm. know with that sort of interesting shading where it's all black but she has highlights that are colored like whatever the gleam is is a color yeah it's super cool uh god i love her so much yeah (laughs) she's so fucking cool I'm going to look um, up Madam Web cosplays after this because I would love to see how people do it. Oh, I'm sure people have done really cool iterations yeah. of her. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> she starts giving him a tarot reading. <laughs> <laughs> a very accurate tarot reading, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so she explains that Spider-Man will soon embark on a period of training for a mission she requires of him. 
Um, he's of course like, this is weird. I'm going to leave. Bye. Uh, and she's like, nope, you're, you can't, I'm a God here. So you cannot do that. Uh, she actually challenges him on his self pity and his tendency to challenge himself. Uh, and then gives him a card from her reading. She says, it is telling you that you (laughs) must believe in me and have the faith of a child. This cracks me up because she's like this godly figure that's like giving Peter his like fortune and like telling him his inevitabilities and fates and stuff. And what the two major things that she says are a part of his future are that he will embark on a period of training for her (laughs) and that the fortune that he gets from the tarot reading is that he needs to believe in her. So Which funny. is the funniest thing ever. Like, oh, it's so weird. The tarot cards tell tell me that you have to believe me. Oh, my gosh. Who would have imagined? <laughs> I kind of love it. Yeah, I, actually, oh, I love, I love it. That, it's so funny. I love that. I love that reading of it because it's sort of like she's a little bit manipulative. She's kind of like a chaotic, neutral, maybe cha- maybe chaotic, good. We're not really sure yet kind yeah. of situation. Like it's yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know, this is just what the cards say. I have no control over that. Yeah. It's just the universe telling you, you got to believe it, right? It's like starting a psychic reading with you're going to believe everything I say. <laughs> okay. But the cards are telling me by the end of this reading, you are going to give me $100. (laughs) You have to. It's fate. Oh, Madam Webb. Great in every way. So good. So good. Uh, Well, (laughs) unsurprisingly... Uh, well, no, actually, I was going to say unsurprisingly, Peter leaves, but he doesn't. He He's not able to leave of his own accord ever uh, in these sequences. She actually disappears after giving him that card, um, and he gets to keep that card uh, long enough for it to transform into the letter that Robbie gave him earlier that he threw away. Yeah. Creepy stuff. Very creepy stuff. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I see what's going on here. The, the coincidence of a child's letter and Madam Webb telling him the faith of a child. He's like... I guess I'll listen to this strange uh, psychic reality bending <laughs> god like woman. Uh, Spider Man, worship life. me like this child worships you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. Just fully entertained by her psychic reading. It's, so, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's so funny. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, he, he gets what's going on. So he seeks out the child whose parents wrote him. He goes and he finds uh, uh, Taina cutting out pictures of him from the bugle. And her whole room is like decked out in Spider-Man memorabilia and ephemera. She's got like a Spider-Man lamp that I think is mm-hmm. really cute. She's got it's, a it's cool. cool fucking room. It's great. Yeah. It looks kind of looks like what my room looked like in high school, actually. Oh, Lots of Spider-Man stuff. I wish my room looked like that. Even now. <laughs> I even had a Spider-Man lamp for a while. It wasn't that kind of lamp. It was like a, it was like a Spider-Man head. Huh? Said it wasn't just his head with a lamp coming out of it? Oh, no. It absolutely was his head. Oh. Uh, it's just instead of it having, like, the lamp coming out of the top, it's just his head, and it was sort of, like, translucent, and there's a light bulb inside of oh. it. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't, like, a lamp you could use to yeah. light your room. It was, like, an accent lamp. Yeah, Kind of yeah. like how you would like, use a salt lamp or something Makes now. sense, yeah. <laughs> Got to get that Spider-Man ambiance, you know? Yeah. I wish I still had it, actually. It was really cool, but I think it got given away or something. eBay. But. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she's got all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, And one of the things she's got is a scrapbook that's like full of 
pictures and bugle stories about spider-man she even says like i have the very first story that the bugle ever wrote about you which is actually pretty rad um and there's this very cute yeah. interaction where spider-man's like you didn't believe it though did you and she goes oh no like that's obviously all all like just jameson being grumpy like it's great <laughs> she's so cool i yeah. love her she's it's it would be so easy to make like an ador- in, in a, an annoying little kid in this scenario yeah um and i think like she's like just like she is annoying in certain intentional ways just in like how she's sort of bossy and stuff like that in a way that like an eight-year-old would be um but it's all like in ways that are make her like more endearing too it's just sort of like she's just a really strong yeah. kid who just wants who knows what she wants and is very intelligent yeah uh, it's, and very open and has a lot of agency honestly yeah it's one of those things where like i don't necessarily love the story that they're like utilizing her for necessarily or like some of the things they do with her but i like sure. her like i i like yeah she is very like she's very good like we said her voice actor does a good job um she's a cool kid uh she's not annoying as so many kids uh on tv unfortunately are written to be yeah yeah i, I also i like the bit where she like because she references her friend timmy mm-hmm. uh says you know says that like oh it's like basically makes like a superman thing where it's just like yeah. My friend timmy said you're an alien from like a destroyed planet or something like that and spider-man's like no but like timmy was the name like the story of this episode is based on a comic book story the what is it, the kid who collects spider-man i think um and the kid in that story that's basically taina's role is named Timmy. So it's sort of funny that like in this universe, there is a Timmy, but Oh, he doesn't get to meet Spider-Man. He's fucked. Like it's, it's all Taina that gets, uh, that gets to have this fun adventure with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably, Timmy was probably the placeholder as they wrote this episode until they had the kid cast. If this yeah. was the episode that was intended to be the contest yeah. winning one, you know? And even if they didn't, it's cool that they like got a girl instead of a boy mm-hmm. and a girl that is clearly at least, like, implied to be, like, a, a person of color, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think her last name very much indicates that. Right, which I think is a cool, yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, Taina, we, we, we like you. You're cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all of this uh, basically gives <laughs> gives the show an excuse to do some more origin story. So we get some more origin story here. Yeah, I mean, the first time it's been as fleshed out as it is. Definitely. What's what's interesting about it, and I'll sort of point it out, but, like, since we have at least seen, like, some flashbacks to his origins in other episodes, like, they do cobble together, like, stuff that they've already done and then merge it with, like, new stuff that they're adding to it. But it makes, like, Peter basically have, like, three different outfits in his flashback, which I fucking love so much. Love when cartoon characters change their clothes, even though it's, like... Doesn't make some sense at certain points, which I'll point out. It's still super fun to just see him, like, changing his outfits in his flashback. It's great. (laughs) That is such a thing that is, like, like hooked in my brain now just knowing you. Like, it's a thing that I appreciate but never, like, cared about. And I don't know that I necessarily, like, deeply care about it in the way that it feels like you do. But... But I definitely notice it in a different way to the point where I was like watching Pokemon the other day and I was like, oh, my God, this is the f-. like I just naturally thought like, oh, my God, this is the first time we've seen this character in a different outfit, <laughs> like, it just yeah. was like, which I might have noticed before. But now I can't not notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Peter's first outfit, and actually, like, honestly, completely different design, which I appreciate mm-hmm. in this first flashback um, that he tells Taina is about the night he was bit by the spider. Um, he's, like, in school, and he's inviting Liz Allen to to come with him to, like, this um, the science expo or whatever. Um, and, like, in the flashback, like, they actually draw him skinnier. They draw him with shorter hair, with thick glasses, and, like, a button-up shirt. Spoiler alert that ends up not checking out with the second flashback they have where his design completely changes, even though it's supposed to be later that night. But we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that for this. Like they 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 I know that this show is always under like constraints and stuff for its, yeah. you know, animation budget and stuff. So the fact that they made a completely different Peter design for like early nerdy Peter, I think is really cool that they did that. Also, I love that in this flashback. Uh, it's Liz Allen and Flash Thompson, who we've seen, you know, in the present day, and they're, like, on good terms with Peter for the most part, especially Liz. Like, she's really kind to Peter in, like, the one or two appearances she's had. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one, she's, like, a total mean girl. Flash is bullying him. They laugh at him. I love Liz's delivery when she's making fun of him, too. Like, when he kind of asks her out, essentially, and she yeah. turns him down, you know? Um, it's really good, like, naturalistic dialogue <laughs> that the show doesn't usually do, and it's really funny. Would I rather... Let's see. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah. Like, oh, I just can't shoot. I just can't decide. <laughs> it's so sarcastic. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> But yeah, so so Peter relays that, and Taina's like, oh my god, you're such a nerd. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, Dr. Octopus meets with Kingpin. What's up, Kingpin? Um, yeah, what's up, Kingpin? He doesn't really say or do much in this episode no. other than just sort of like, be like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, like this one scene, I think he says absolutely no words. Yep. Meets with him to introduce a new weapon to overpower Spider-Man, an Octobot, which can be controlled by Ox Thoughts. It's basically oh. just like a little Roomba with Doc Ock tentacles on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I fucking love the Octobot. I loved it then. Love it now. Another thing <laughs> that is like very much ingrained in my memory. Uh, it's I, I don't know. I just think it's so funny to me. It's like it's it's like it's like in 101 Dalmatians when they go to the park and everybody's dog looks just like them. Doc Ock just decided to like build his own dog. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's the best. Yep. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> so Spidey continues to tell Taina about the night he was bit. Uh, in this case, specifically about the uh, the demonstration with the neogenics and the neogenic radioactive blast that like turned the spider into a, you know a thing that can give him spider powers essentially uh you know so we all get to see the iconic sequence of the spider landing on his hand biting him um and all that stuff um what's interesting i think about the scene is a i i guess that they animated this for the opening for like the second season opening sequence for his updated pink shirt because like you see bits of that in this and that would be the only reason that i can think that despite having a flashback that's supposed to take place like the same day Peter suddenly looks completely different and is in, in, is his updated season two design just in a t-shirt instead of his jacket because mm-hmm. that would match this like the season two forward opening sequence. So I'm guessing that was just a way for them to cost cut, which yeah. is like I wish that you had retroactively made the first flashback match this, but maybe they animated that one and then realized after the fact, like, oh, wait, we can just use that footage. Oh, no, we've got to make him look like season two Peter now. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're cobbling things together here. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, though. They were creating new content that they could have matched to the old stuff if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But but they chose not to and said this is season two looking Pete. <laughs> Uh, now just, he just took off his glasses and gained a bunch of muscle mass in a few hours, I guess, you know, 
uh, the that's all right. I'm thankful for like little nerdy Pete, even though it doesn't match up with anything. I just think it's fun that we got it. It's cute. Yeah. The other thing is interesting is that it's, uh, it's not, it's not Dr. Connors doing this experiment. It's no. Dr. Stillwell. It's Farley Stillwell, who was the scorpion guy, which makes sense because he was like a leading neogenics person. It's just interesting because I could be misremembering, but like, it didn't seem like, like, I feel like Stillwell would have been more important to Peter when they encountered each other in the first and second seasons, given that he was like the guy that turned him into Spider-Man essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so it doesn't feel like it quite matches up, but I but I still like it fine. I think it's kind of a cool addition because I never expected to see him ever again. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially Even because literally... we're like not supposed – the only reason we're seeing him is because we went backwards. Last time we saw him, he was like, bye, I'm fucking off and you're never going to see me again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, no, we did two episodes later. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's so funny. I also think it's really funny that Peter gets bit by a spider and like in many iterations, he's like immediately kind of feeling sick from it, which I don't know if I saw like a sick guy in the middle of a demonstration, like clearly like having like a panic attack or like hyperventilating, showing he's in stomach pain. I wouldn't fucking laugh at him. Everyone in the room, including Dr. Stilwell, is just guffawing at this guy's pain. I think it's unclear if that reaction is to be believed by Mm. us. That's a good point. It could be a hallucination. I think it's That's either a, a hallucination or he's because like he has he has he has like very obvious hallucinations later um, because he's like passed out. But I think this is at least something you could chalk up to like he's freaking out. That's a really actually I like that better because it doesn't make any sense otherwise. Yeah, because um, I thought the same thing. I was like, why the fuck is Dr. Stillwell laughing at him? Uh, yeah. So I would like to believe he didn't. But you're right, yeah, because he has hallucinations like literally right after this happens. <laughs> so good call. Hallucinations, by the way, what? which are extremely fucked up. <laughs> I can't just I I I they are just on the line for me between like the kind of weird that I like and the kind of weird that I'm like, why though? <laughs> like I, I just it's it's so bizarre. I mean, like there's definitely some weird like I guess like. Kafka-esque things that are like I guess could be appreciated but like what what I think <laughs> I think what's weird is that I think you expect more from it I think that's like, a big part of it it's like almost too straightforward yeah that's the problem I would have expected to get trippy for uh, uh, afterwards before he wakes up and it doesn't he just wakes up so what happens in these hallucinations if you didn't watch the episode is that uh Peter first like he he he's like oh no the spider poisoned me and then sees himself turn into a spider blacks out and then hallucinates that he is a tiny spider in his own house and then Aunt May is like trying to kill him and washes him down the drain which that's why you don't kill spiders folks mm-hmm. they could be people people you love you never know so don't kill them just let them outside yeah and pay attention do lives. they have a human face yeah are they yelling Aunt May it's me Peter your nephew. <laughs> <laughs> If a spider yelled that at me, I don't know how to react to that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. 
I do think about that Who's sometimes. Aunt May? Like, this, is it fucking weird <laughs> do I that have like a when nephew? I, yeah. Is it fucking weird though that like when I like get rid of bugs or I don't kill spiders, but if there's like gross bugs in my house, I will kill them sometimes. Yeah. Like flies and stuff. But I'm sort of like, what if this was someone that I knew that like got transformed into a bug by a curse and I just like murder them right now? Is it like <laughs> like psychotic that I like think that? No. I'm just I don't not <laughs> think so. I don't think so. Because now everybody's gonna think that now that they've heard you say that. Yeah, I think that not every single time, but many times. No, it's not um, because, okay, so this is totally off off topic. But because you said that, um, I, 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 that's not a thing I necessarily think about. But I do sometimes think about um, like people in photos or illustrations or whatever. Because there was this movie that we would get from the library when I was a kid. And I don't remember what it was called. I'll try to find it because it is fascinating. This movie fascinates me because it is damn near impossible to find and I do not know a single other person aside from my siblings who's ever seen it but they all remember seeing it. It's this mm-hmm. movie where this kid is like I guess probably cursed or something, but he is cursed to be in stamps, like f- male stamps. So he like oh, exists in God. stamps and then a large portion of the movie is just like the horror of being a person like trapped in a stamp. And so like he gets thrown away, he gets mailed, he gets like all this sort of stuff like stamp like and so for a long time i just thought about like oh my god what if the what if this is actually somebody like trapped and like i'll never know <laughs> that sounds horrible yeah that movie sounds miserable yeah i i want to watch it so bad because it's been so long it doesn't sound like a movie it just sounds like like a Ghostbumps episode Ghost Ghostbumps. <laughs> Ghostbumps. it sounds like a it sounds Ghostbumps like a Ghostbumps is episode. like what you would call a series of kids books in a property where you didn't have the rights to say Goosebumps <laughs> Ghostbumps Ghostbumps <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean that's kind of the premise but it's like not meant to be scary like it's not it's not meant to be like an are you afraid of the dark vibe type of thing it just is like mm. sort of existentially terrifying hate it I hate it yeah the more I think about it the more I don't think I ever would ever want to watch that movie yeah Sounds horrible. <laughs> so that's it's my all, what if this spider was actually a cursed uh, friend of mine. It's all Kafka-esque bullshit up in here, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> uh, beautiful existential horror. Yeah, he, he hallucinates himself getting washed down the drain as a little spider. And then when he thinks he wakes up from that blackout, he's still a spider, but he's now like a giant spider who's just washed up, I, I guess, like on the shore of the bay. Um, people are freaking out and shooting at him. He's crawling around screaming and terrified. The army shows up and fires missiles at him. And then he wakes up. What the fuck? And he's like, fine. I, yeah. It's like I could do it if it continued, if the, if the, if the army missiles – like blew up and then that turned into like a six Spider-Man 67 esque sequence of it, like getting trippy and acid trippy yeah. and a bunch of weird colors and him seeing spiders everywhere and flying around in space or whatever. Like, I don't know, like then, and then, and then he emerged awake. But yeah, I think you're right. It's not, it's not enough like a trip or a dream or hallucination to feel like it. It just feels like telling a story about Peter turning into a spider and then, Oh, it's a dream, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. It needed to get far weirder. There, escalation, yeah. please. As it stands, it ends up feeling like, I hate saying this, but it almost feels like filler because this is a two-parter. So it takes up a little bit of time in the flashback for something that doesn't really matter, but that's sort of fun. Um, but they didn't have enough time to like expand it beyond that. So it ends up sort of being just this weird, this, this sort of weird too short thing that's mm-hmm. kind of stuck in there to fill out some time in yeah, his flashback that makes sense <laughs> weird stuff Very. really weird stuff uh, did you think that he like described his hallucinations to Taina? 
I mean, I get. I don't know. I don't know. Because that, that wouldn't be necessary. Because no, that's it's a magical story of him turning into Spider Man, and she's enchanted by it. I don't feel like I dreamed that I was a spider and my aunt killed me, and then the military was attacking me. Like it's like that's not useful. I don't think that she would like that. No. <laughs> What what she does like is him talking about how he tests his superpowers in a really typical way. You know, he's jumping around on buildings, you know, jumping out of the way of a car about to run into him, crumpling a steel pipe in his hands like it's paper. (laughs) It's all fun. Also notes that, like, he also gained a spider's craving for dark corners and heights. Yeah. What? (laughs) Dark corners and new heights. Yeah. Craving. Craving Later. dark corners and new height. The, the, the odd choice of words. It's isn't it like it's it's exactly like right out of the James Cameron scriptment. Honestly, because <laughs> that, kind of, that was part of the thing is that like Peter in that in that original scriptment was like obsessed with predatory urges and darkness. Like yeah. I feel like they're almost kind of going for that a little bit in this. You know? Yeah, it's a very weird thing to say, but that does make a little bit of like yeah, yeah. He's not Batman. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know. I I don't hate it though. I think it's sort of fun in a way that harkens back to like the very earliest version of Peter, where it's more he feels more of a character out of Spider Man, not Peter. He feels more of a character out of like out of horror comics a little bit, and that he's sort of like this this freak more than he is a superhero. And then obviously, very quickly, like in the earliest like Ditko stuff, the way that he's drawn. Um, and his sort of lankiness and stuff and his sort of weird poses and everything. I feel like we're more of a hearkening of like him being kind of a freak um, in a way that I think you could read as being darker if you wanted to. Um, and so I sort of feel like it's sort of a fun kind of throwback to that sort of very early idea. Um, I you know? guess. The, when, he, when he talks about like craving dark corners, though, that makes me think of like the underworld and like the seedier side of things in New York City, you know? But I guess that's just yeah. my like the vibe it's giving me as opposed to whatever it was meant to be. Yeah. Either way, it is something that I feel like Taina would just be like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Peter, you're being weird. Or Spider-Man, you're being weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean to an eight year old? I don't know what it means to a 33 year old. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, but yeah, but she's like, she kind of ignores that he said that is just like, okay, anyway, is that spider still around? Cause she uh, wants like, to be spider girl. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, that that's why she asked. A hundred percent. you keep that so you can bring it over to bite me so I can jump around like you do? Cause that would be cool. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, he's like, no, he's, it's not, uh, glad that it isn't because it caused me a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. We get another brief little glimpse into Kingpin and, uh, talking about. The Octobot. Uh, ultimately, like, Kingpin, I think he says impressive, but, like, very unimpressed. And Doc Ock is like, excuse me, this is very cool. Uh, you're not nearly <laughs> as excited as you should be about this cool thing I made. Uh, and so he breaks uh, a bust. He, like, crushes a statue and says that I'm going to destroy Spider-Man and anything that stands in the way. And yeah. Kingpin doesn't flinch. So, yeah, Doc Ock, you're just being a weirdo. <laughs> and that's all we see kingpin in this whole episode and that's it i think he says one word uh no he says a little bit more than that in this one but uh very little yeah yeah also funny that they keep doing these little like interjections during all these flashbacks yeah i don't know what I mean, else they would do I mean, it's not a complaint but it's funny i think it works because uh it's a way to sort of break up 
uh, what's just really a lot of exposition in the oh, Taina thing. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it still sort of creates shows you that there's some tension going on in the backdrop. They're like, oh, this isn't a just a breather episode. You know, there is something going on that it's going to come to a head at the very end of it. It does make me especially upset with what Spider-Man chooses to do following his interaction with Taina uh, <laughs> in her bedroom, because we do see exactly what is about to happen. But that's yeah. a different story <laughs> that's in the universe, <laughs> not outside of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Taina and Spider-Man continue to chat. Spidey explains how his web shooters work, which I think is a really cool, yeah. uh, really cool sequence. Like, everything about it is cool. Like, kind of walks him through, like, oh, no, like, I, the, the spider bite didn't give it to me. But I think the spider might have, like, imbued me with the knowledge for how to make webbing and, and make the web shooters. And he sort of explains, like, how he doesn't accidentally set, set it off because it requires specific pressure from his two fingers. And also that he can, like, change the settings to make it, like, a thin spray versus, like, thick, stronger webbing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um it's really cool. I love I, I like love it. kind of going into that. I remember liking that when I was a kid because I'm like, yeah. oh, that actually answers all of the questions that I had about your it's, web shooters. Thank it's you. like the cartoon version of when they would be like down one page or panel in the comics and would dedicate it entirely to like how does Spider-Man's equipment work. Do you remember those? And like the very old mm-hmm. 60s ones where it would just be like, yeah. here's his equipment. I love that shit. Yeah, it's so cool. And I mean, it's it's done in a really natural way. Like she's asking the questions that we all ask as kids. He even like makes a little swing made of webbing for her to sort of demonstrate it. Um, And that kind of, I think that they've said it in the series before, but it reestablishes that like, Oh, the webbing does dissolve after like an hour or so. So this isn't a permanent swing. Sorry. Which is good. Cause I just sprayed webbing all over your bedroom. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You just to show, show it off. He was like spraying the thin, you know, thin webbing or whatever. So yeah, that would be annoying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the next bit of bit of his origin that he tells is the wrestling story, which I think we saw a lot of this or most, if not all of it in the Mysterio episode, um, yeah. because this is when we see Peter in his first season polo shirt. So his final costume mm-hmm. change here. <laughs> um, so this is all about the wrestling him getting on, on the TV show. The TV show bit I think is new and the TV show is called it's amazing, which, uh, you know, obviously amazing Spider-Man and in the Spider-Man font, but I think it's specifically a reference to a show I don't remember, is it from the 50s or something? Maybe it's later, called It's Spectacular, I believe. That was just a show that I think was just like a show, kind of like what this was, just showcasing people with like weird stories. Like a talent showcase type thing? I I think it was like that. I've never seen it. I've just read Hmm. that it exists. So yeah, I think something like that. Just like oddities and stuff like that um, for people to show off. So it's it's a fun sort of reference. And then Spectacular to Amazing, I think, is a really funny... (laughs) naming convention than the thing that they did so a layered Um, reference yeah it's a layered reference um but yeah so he's showing himself off on that show he gets he gets into wrestling you have the whole burglar escaping thing that we all know returns home oh no uncle ben's dead and then you know that that kind of segues into spider-man revealing that the end of the story uh is that he discovers his responsibility in uncle ben's death but uh, unfortunately, the the part that's sort of new now is that he's also beating himself up over the medical lab explosion and that like having guilt over Uncle Ben's death, he now has guilt over that. And honestly, at this point, it's too much. I'm going to give up being Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. this felt a little bit more natural than him being like in the office being like, I'm over it. 
this was like so good <laughs> this was really yeah good. well with this like it's a lot more exasperated than it is like angry like i think yeah. in the bugle it was just like oh I, everybody hates me i hate me in this one it's just like i'm tired and i don't know what to do anymore so yeah. i feel like i should just stop yeah yeah well, naturally, Taina's like, no, you you can't quit being Spider-Man. She starts crying. She's upset. Like, this is her hero. Um, and he's like, too bad. Like, I, that's what I got to do. Um, and he begins to leave. What a terrible way to leave, yeah. dude. What well, I mean, like, doing? Yeah, I know. It's it's weird because, like, he's interacting with a child. But, it, like, it makes sense. He's like, well, I, now that I'm thinking all this stuff, I need to, like, clear my head. Because she says, like, are you gone forever? He says, like, no, I'll come back or whatever. I just need to, like, get some fresh air. Uh, but yeah, like what a terrible note to leave on, especially for like a child who idolizes you. Uh, weird, weird move. Uh, but I guess he's all up in his head. This is what's, I mean, weirder than him leaving on this note. I will say <laughs> the whole like what happens next is especially weird because she grabs his foot as he heads out. And she says, this isn't the weird part, but it is notable. She says she wants to see the world like he does just once before and then trails off. This girl is like terminally ill, isn't she? Is that is that what was that? That's what that says. That's the that's, that's co- what that the is. The boy in the uh, Timmy in the comic was Timmy. Uh, definitely explicitly. is. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure she is. T- Why would she say that? Unless yeah. she's saying just once before you quit. But she says it in a very dark way. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it could be before you quit, but I don't think that's yeah. what she was saying, especially because yeah. she trails off. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see if the next episode confirms or denies it any further or if it's just implied. I mean, she's also the kid character in an episode where they introduce a medical advancement that will allow them to combat cancer. And I believe Timmy uh, had leukemia. So (laughs) pretty sure this girl is like uh, it's also an episode called Make-A-Wish. Yeah, it's not. It's um, <laughs> this I, girl I'm not, is terminally ill. <laughs> you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I mean, uh, yeah, yes. I'm, I, and I also exactly think she happening. is. I don't remember what happens in the next episode, but I do think I know. That she I don't because I I have watched the next one more uh, like recently. So like I I know whether it, whether or not they like explicitly say it. I won't like say if they do or not or or anything. Um, but <laughs> okay. yeah, the episode's literally called Make a Wish. And there's literally the comic book source material. Yeah. So, like, I think the implication is meant to be very clear no matter what yeah. in, in this one. Um, and I think that that line is meant to have the weight okay. that it does. I'm glad because I thought you were trying to be like, I don't know. But no, no. you just are trying not to tell me explicitly. But she's yeah. she is. OK, she yeah. is everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if you're not seeing what I'm seeing. OK, so this is what's fucking wild. Spider-Man agrees to take this child uh, out web-swinging with him throughout New York City, the consequences of which we know to expect and also see immediately, uh, because as they set out, so does Dr. Octopus and a number of drones seeking Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Cool. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. At the very least, Dr. Octopus, one of your, like, biggest foes, is out and about... You've just cut off two of his arms and you're like, yeah, let's take this kid out. Like, I Bro. I agree with you logically. <laughs> I agree with you logically, but I also, I don't know. I feel like I need to push back a little bit on it just because like. I'm not criticizing the story. I should, I should clarify in universe versus yeah. out of universe. 
This is just a very dumb thing Peter does. It's an irresponsible thing to do, but also, like, this is the girl's, like, based on the title, it's entirely possible this is her make-a-wish wish, you know? Uh, and, it's like, we don't know what Spider-Man knows or thinks one way or another, but no matter what, there's a little girl who loves him who is very forceful and begging him to go web-swinging with him. And I feel like I don't... I think that I would give in, too, if I was him. It's not the smartest decision, but also, like, I don't know. I would be hard to say no to her. <laughs> Like, I kind of sympathize with them doing it. I don't know, man. <laughs> if she's terminally ill, I just feel like maybe we shouldn't accelerate the process. <laughs> yeah, but also, <laughs> By like, web swinging with... She says at one point, I'm a hundred stories high. She's yeah. not webbed to him. She's literally just holding on to him. <laughs> he's, he's swung with You want to take her up to the roof? Cool. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe there was a middle ground that should have been there. Maybe instead of swinging through the city, could have just swung around the building a little bit or something like that, you know, like in the neighborhood rather than through Manhattan, <laughs> through CGI Manhattan. That's fair. That's fair. I get what you're saying, though, but also. Like, I think that it's entirely believable that he would do it. I agree that it's he didn't think it through. Oh, but it's he's obviously believable not he thinking... will do plenty of stupid things. I, I wouldn't argue with you on that. <laughs> and it's also he's also very clearly not thinking clearly yeah throughout this entire episode like that's it that's the po- kind of the point of it is that he has that he's very confused and i think that he's in a vulnerable position where i think like fine i'll take a fucking girl out web swinging yeah. whatever yeah that's... And, it, and you know and he's and he's very and he's and he's clearly enjoying it as we see in like the next couple of scenes before things go to shit so like you know yeah, no, 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 no. and that's, I think that's why I clarified, like, in-universe versus out-of-universe. Everything that they write him to do makes sense and feeds into something else. Um, yeah. I just, if I lived in this universe, would smack him upside the head and be like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> sure. sure. But yeah, so there's drones after Spider-Man and this little girl he's web-swinging with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find him immediately. Doc Ock unleashes his Octobot. Uh, Spidey is like having fun with Tyena, giving him a demonstration of a super agility. She's having a blast. Everything's great until a spider sense alerts him to incoming danger and the Octobot attacks. And he's like, Oh, this is bad. Uh, he instructs Tyena to hide and the Octobot like very quickly just restrains him. And Doc Ock arrives to gloat and finish the job right off the bat. Yeah. Very, very quick and easy right now. I mean, honestly, like the Octobot probably more effective at, doing the restraining thing because there's less body to sort of like aim at and get in the way of like, it's almost all tentacle. It's like the yeah, size of a backpack true. or something, maybe a little bigger. Yeah, than it's that. true. Very but doc, true. Dr. Octopus is like a whole ass man. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. In more ways than yeah. one. Many versions of them are a full ass meal. Mm-hmm. Not this one, but many versions of them are. So one thing that's important is that, at some point, Dr. Octopus, because he's a prideful man, uh, does sort of gloat about his new Octobot. And in there, uh, Spider-Man catches a detail that Dr. Octopus is controlling the Octobot via telepathy. And realizing pretty quickly that he won't escape the Octobot through sheer force, because it's got him, like, super tied up, Spider-Man asks Doc Ock if he stole the idea for the Octobot from Pingree as well, which is great. Uh, as Spider-Man expects... Ock's pride distracts him, and it breaks his focus on the Octobot, which loosens the bot's grip, allowing Spider-Man 
to uh, wiggle his way out, <laughs> which good is stuff. so good. Good stuff. Real good. So good. And not the first time we've seen uh, Spider-Man slash Peter Parker sort of use his knowledge of Doc Ock's demeanor and tendencies uh, to his advantage. So yeah, love that that's a consistent thing. Yeah. So, you know, with the with the grip being loosened, Spidey tosses the drone at Doc Ock and it explodes, <laughs> lying on the, the chance to web up Ock's tentacles. And uh, then he jumps on Ox back. So everything's looking great. It's going to be fine, right? He's going to beat him. Very easy battle, right? This is a 1967 show, so obviously everything's good to go. Yeah, this is the third time, uh, (laughs) third third attack. Spidey doesn't really have to do anything special or different, and he will still beat him. He's used his web. Third time. Third time's a charm. Um, (laughs) No, Doc Ock's like, hmm, I've learned from our previous encounters. Uh, so while uh, while while uh, Spider-Man's there, Ock expels a poison gas from one of his metal arms. Spider-Man passes out, and he prepares to throw Spider-Man off the roof. And Tyana's like, "Oh shit!" Mm-hmm. To be continued. To be continued. Yeah, I love uh, I love any moment Doctor Octopus like holds Spider-Man above his head. Yeah, it's like very yeah. scary. It's good. This episode's so interesting because this episode, uh, I think, is the op- feels more like the opening uh, an opening two parter of a season uh-huh. than the last episode did. And the last episode was very much sort of just like resolving any dangling threads from from season two. This one really does feel like it's sort of tr- at least beginning to set up some kind of themes and arc for Peter. You know, I mean, obviously with Madam Web, but also like. Anything starting with Peter having to like relearn the importance of being Spider-Man, I feel like is going to have some kind of weight and it's done a lot better in this episode than, uh, than it's been done before. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Some other good stuff for these faces of the episode too. Um, I love Peter's face in the alleyway when Aunt May reveals, I think that she knows he's Spider-Man and there's like this close up of his face that then just like, cuts closer like three times like to an extreme close-up oh yeah but the the face that they spend a lot of time on i love how it's drawn because his eyes are like five times bigger than they normally are (laughs) (laughs) it's like full anime peter it's like a lot darker around his eyes too the way that uh the the outlines are drawn it's just great it's a good face (laughs) yeah it would be like a good face to like learn learn some like structural stuff you Mm -hmm. see his jaw lines his cheek lines where all of his yeah. features are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the one that you pulled. <laughs> I mean, how could I not? Uh, I am obsessed with the outfits that Liz and her friends are wearing and also their facial expressions. Yep. Uh, Liz just straight up looks like a baby doll uh, for some reason. Uh, <laughs> this girl uh, has a hat that's just ever so slightly on her head uh, and looks uh, very surprised Peter would speak to them. And then the third one just looks like nothing's ever faced her in her entire life. It's great. <laughs> I love them. Fashion, alive and well. It reminds me a lot of like gem, uh, like kind of gem <laughs> vibes from it. Just the way that they are and the way their hair is and everything. It's so it's great. great. It's yeah. so great. They're so much more detailed than they need to be. And I love it. Yeah. Liz's it's so hair good. is like too detailed. It's like upsettingly detailed. Yeah, like the way that she has like the one um, like scrunchy on like one sort of part of her ponytail yeah. on the side. I love that. It's great. It's very nineties. It feels like like Clueless, the the animated series, yeah. <laughs> which I would a hundred percent watch. Yeah, one hundred percent. Everyone would. It would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said it. I like this episode. 
Uh, I think it does some weird things that I don't necessarily like, but that don't necessarily bring down the episode, except for where you were talking about some of that hallucination stuff. Um, maybe taking up space. Yeah, could have been better. Could have been better. But for sure, the actual yeah. events of the episode and what it's what it, what it's going for, I appreciate a lot. Oh yeah, I think this, generally this is a this is a really strong episode of the show for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah. 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 Still happy to be here on the '90s show. Me too. Me too. I think it's going to be a fun season. I agree. Uh, it's always fun on our Patreon, <laughs> not just for whatever season of whatever we're doing over there. For every, all the time, every, every, all four seasons of the year are always fun on our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Snappers. All lots of fun stuff. I can lots always of bonus like, content. I can always like hear you thinking about what the segue is going to be. <laughs> and I'm never yeah, right. I never predict it correctly. <laughs> oh, I love it. Keeping you on your toes. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Lots of great stuff. Lots of bonus content. Uh, you know, it, you've heard it before. It's great. Uh, other great stuff. If you want to talk to us directly, you can check out our Discord. Got a link in the show notes. Probably uh, posted about it on our on our uh, social media. Easy way to generate some conversation. We've got some folks that have pop- been popping in, um, talking about the comics they've been reading and movies they're excited about. Otherwise, if you want to talk to us directly or see what we're doing or working on, where can we find you on the internet, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4i Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with my friends and talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I catch up on all of the media we have been consuming lately. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay show, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. You can find more from both of us on our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Brave is out next week, and that is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find uh, find Falling with Style and all of our episodes of Walloping Web Snappers on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, where we've got a full archive of everything uh, that we do together on our main feeds. And you can follow us on our uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And if you could, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on any podcast platforms that you use. If it allows you to rate and review it, please do so, because uh, any time that you can rate and review it's a way for more people to find our podcast. And if you're enjoying what we're doing, then some other people probably would too. Next week, Spidey gets to be the damsel in distress and the villain all in the same episode. The sins of the fathers chapter three attack of the Octobot. Ooh. See you then. Bye. So we get some Spider-Man no vo- Spider-Man no vor. Spider-Man no more vibes.